Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Yep, yep, to the yep, yep. You already know what time it is, man. It's your girl, POC. Tiny Radio Zep, spread the word, spread the message. Man, it's Friday, February 16th. I'm excited to be on your airways. We're actually 16 minutes behind because things happen, you know, a little technical difficulties. I appreciate everybody who, you know, reached out to me, asked me what's going on, what's going on. I don't hear your voice, but we was going to make it happen for you, man. You already know everything we do here on Eco Word is for you and about you. We got a jam-packed show. We got a special guest on the line. He's not new to the show, but he's someone who, you know, when it comes down to a topic like what I want to discuss today, I wanted to make sure that I put, you know, the call out for the right people. Um, and I wanted to, to end Black History Month the right way because this is actually like my last show for February. Um, I actually would be doing a pre-recorded show next week. So this is like my last live show for the month of February. So I was like, well, we got to go out with a bang for Black History Month, right? But before we get into today's conversation, I do want to let y'all know later today, make sure you tune in for a special rebroadcast of the power and possibility of Black media with Sarah Lomax, Reverend Al Sharpton, Tavis Smiley, and Melanie Span Cooper. This conversation is about the importance of independent Black radio that took place at the 20th anniversary celebration. If you weren't able to hear it live, tune in on tune into Word Today at 4 p.m. to listen to this powerful uh, conversation and compelling discussion. Black media matters and hear from the people at the forefront of Black media in America. The power of possibility of Black media today at 4 p.m. live on Word Radio. But speaking of being live on Word Radio, we got Levi. Good morning, Levi. Join us. Good morning. Morning. How you Good feeling? morning. How you feeling? All right. Well, we're here to discuss some very powerful things. The effect of colonization of, and urbanization upon the world. Uh, Western imperialism or Western culture, colonization and its effect upon the world. So that's the topic matter. So, you know, with me, it's about questions. So mm-hmm. as we talk, you know, information comes out. For sure. And Levi, you know, when it comes down to um, one of the reasons why I make sure I put in that call is because you're doing the work over there with the black farmers here in the city of Philadelphia. So tell us a little yes. bit more about that before we jump in. OK, yeah. Um, I want to make a couple of announcements. So here's the announcement. Um, we uh, announced the BFC Educational Forum at William C. Longstretch School. Uh, the date is 224. That's February 24th. From 11 to 3 p.m., 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at 5700 Willows Avenue, 19143. Again, we're having a Black Farmers Co-op Educational Forum at William C. Longstreet School. It's going to be on February 24th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., 5700 Willows Ave, uh, 19143. Awesome, um, awesome. And you can contact us at blackfarmersoutreach at gmail.com. I love that y'all, y'all making a movement over there, you know. Yes. And, and when it comes down to like what you mentioned today's topic is I really wanted to talk about because the show Eco Word is about environmental justice. And a, a lot of people don't understand that it's been a lot of injustices been done to us based on just our environment in general. And one of mm-hmm. the big, you know, 
players and key makers in this is stolen land. You know, when it comes down to speaking about the black farmers and the movement that you all are doing with the coalition, you you think about how much land has truly been stolen from us. And that's the reason why a lot of us have been displaced. That's the reason why a lot of us don't even know who we are, our culture, our background, because mm-hmm. we've been displaced so many different times. And we've been put in these boxes such as Section 8s or urban neighborhoods, hoods, whatever you want to call them. Right. So, you know, when we think about stolen land, let's just start there. Levi, take us a little bit of back, you know, as we talk about black history, tell us a little bit about the history of stolen land. Well, you know, the, the land, more black people were involved in farming. Um, of course, you know, at the inception of this country, right? And even more, you got to remember that a lot of us were stolen, sold, robbed, and kidnapped from our homelands and the continent of Africa and from around the world. And then some of us were also native here. So when we start talking about is is it's not only stolen land, but you have stolen land and you have inheritance and heritage and knowledge that has been lost in the process due to the what they call the breaking process of people. So the land issue is that most of our land was beyond just stolen. It was taken and coerced from us over time. Um, of course, you got land that was uh, given to us. A lot of people don't know that a lot of land was actually given to Black people. And there was actual um, abolitional movements that go back as far as 1730. In other words, there were free Blacks living with land in Virginia in the uh, 1730s into the 1780s. But what happens is, as you know, land is power, land is wealth. So you have, now you have Free groups of black people. They don't like to talk about this. There was a time when there were free groups of black people in certain areas of America. And what you have is you have this population of people who are now producers. We've always been producers. They were stolen and brought to this land to be producers. Mm-hmm. And now you have a population of Europeans who actually are, were landless during the same period. This is not discussed in American history at all. And, you know, African history, Black people's history is America's. And I feel so, like even in Black history, it starts at a certain point. You know, it doesn't yeah, go all the key. way back. I feel like it goes to a certain point where it's wrapped up in this cute bow. You feel me, Levi? Well, we right. got to go to a quick break, Levi. Now, I want you to break it down on the other side of this break. We got to pay some bills. Right, right after right. this break, we're going to get back. We're going to get right back into this conversation. And hold on right. tight with me. I appreciate you rocking out with me this morning for sure. And thank oh, yeah. you for everybody who's tuning in, man. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Ready? Zah! Yep, 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 yep. You already know what time it is, man. It's your girl, PLC. We back on live right now. 900 AM WRD, 96.1 Word Radio. Turn your radios up each and every Friday. Starting at 10 a.m. It's about 25 minutes past the top of the hour. 36 degrees outside. It's pretty chilly on this Friday morning. So I definitely encourage you to bundle up. And they're actually calling for a little bit of snow overnight tonight. So, you know, you want to make sure you're ready for that at the same time. Because I was not ready on Tuesday at all. I was not ready. And I got the one and only Miss Zuline on the line. How you feeling? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Let's get the energy going on up in here today. For sure. For sure. Ms. Zeline, you know, when it comes down to we were talking before we went on break, we were talking to Levi a little bit about, um, you know, stolen land and, and how that is really 
one of the key things that has caused displacement when it comes down to black and brown people. And as we are, you know, uh, exiting out of Black History Month, that is one thing that I really wanted to talk about. So I really wanted to start with you, you know, just before we get into the Chester conversation, just your thoughts on, you know, stolen land and and the displacement of black and brown people. Well, you know, everything about this country is um, about wealth generation and about um, maintaining a status. We as a people, um, even when we have been successful in obtaining land, they have created rules and laws to force us off of our land, to literally steal our land. And the other way that they are stealing land is they are making it uncomfortable for us to live where we currently live. And they do that by way of um, undesirable uh, businesses, undesirable, um, um, they they allow our areas to be inundated with everything that they don't want in their areas. So eventually those of us that are mobile and have the means, we leave our area mm-hmm. and try to go elsewhere. Um, they've taken our land through issues of eminent domain. And once that happens to you, you're you're 60 year old and you own your house and they want to bring a project through. It's highly unlikely that you're going to be a homeowner again. You will forever be a renter. Mm -hmm. So we pay double and triple and we can't obtain that generational wealth, which is in the land. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I would, you know, the more we learn, the more we see how. Um, devious their processes have been. Mm-hmm. You know, Central Park belonged to us. That was black land. They're, they're black land, and I don't understand why we can't go back. Um, you know, Tulsa, when they burnt down that area, we were still landowners. And it, there has to be a mechanism where we can go back and, and regain our land that was stolen from us. Mm-hmm. And and the and, and when you have this conversation, Ms. Julian, it's like we have to educate our people on this topic, right? Because even talking about our land, some people are like, huh? Like I live on 64th. You feel me? Like they don't even understand what it means. And that's where it comes down to the, even the conversation block by block. And Levi, well, well I, I want to make sure he gets back in this conversation. Yeah. But Ms. Julian, you know, when you think about um, there, there we go. Levi, how are you? You want to get you back into this conversation. You know, when you think about the, uh, the conversation we were having before the break, I want to make sure we got to make sure his his um, audio is up and running so he can well, hear it. Well, you got to understand if we can't see it, we can't be it. Hmm. Then you can't okay. achieve it. That's right. If your grandmother is a, a renter and her, you know, we've always been put in that status where we're not going to own. They want to make sure that we are in a consumer uh, uh, mentality or not owning anything and not, you know, even the businesses. I don't want you to hire my community to do landscaping for your yeah. company. I want my community to own the damn business. We got to right. watch our business today. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Well, we need to own the business. <laughs> I love your passion, though. And Levi, jump jump in for me. Talk to me a little bit about what you were saying. Yeah. Well, as it goes even deeper. There's money. There's billions of dollars that are that are in that's in the United States government's budget for black farming and agricultural development in the system, and it's not being given 
or shown or brought to the people's awareness ever. Because, um, you know, if you don't talk about a thing, it's like it, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. The United States of America owes black people money and the wealth is sitting there. What's happening is that there is there's miseducation that's going on. And that miseducation was created to divert black folks away from land and production and into service jobs. And that was the kit to get to put the nail in the coffin so that blacks wouldn't want to go back into the areas of agricultural development and learning. You understand? We developed this country's agricultural systems, period. But what they did was they put miseducation in the game. And along with miseducation, you had the violence. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the constant attack upon black people on their lands and their homes. On their, that's the Ku Klux Klan. That's part of, that was part of their mission was to create terror to drive black people, Native American people off of the lands that they lived on, sell it at a cheap price to get out of the situation and move towards the North towards service jobs. Okay. Now, now you have a population of people who used to be producing thinking people, but the education now has them not looking towards production mm-hmm. and agriculture, but has them down into service and, 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 and other educational uh, systems or, if, if you're doing service or you're doing technology mm-hmm. or you was in the United States military. So they pushed everybody away from production based work. And that's part of the miseducation. That's why everyone should read Carter G. Woodson's Miseducation of the Negro, because he talks about it. Also, Booker no, T. Washington's work talks about how the land, this America's lands belong to black people, African American for the sake, for the lack of better terms, the African-American population, that this is their land due to the, the amount of time we put in, in producing, the amount of times we, we put into protecting, as well as being even the native population of the land. So our elders absolutely right. They kept the history, the link between our great-grandmothers, grandmothers' lands, and the awareness of us in the North, you know, due to our education, we look at farming and agriculture as slavery. Mm-hmm. Soon as we look at somebody with a hoe in their hand, because you know I work on the land. Soon as they see us doing anything on the land, a lot of our people psychologically go back to slavery or go back to you know some type of servitude. So our people need to know that that, that that's what is it, about six billion or six about it's up in the billions. It's about two to three billion or six billion dollars that is. Oh, and that is out there in the governments. For well, black some, people, some people call that reparations. That, no, it's not reparations. This is money no. that has been earmarked for the Thank black you. farmers. They have yeah. not released that money. They've made it difficult, especially on the local level, because they have local offices that they must go through. And that's where a lot of the disconnect and the racism in, in, in applying that funding fairly. The money, the money is definitely there. It's been held in queue and they make that process so difficult. Yep. So difficult. And what happens with our farmers, we then we're forced into going to get loans that mm-hmm. we can't afford because that money that has been earmarked for us. Now they have no problem giving it to those huge farming corporations. 
Well, let me ask you this question. By it being an election year, right, and you needing that Black vote, do you feel like with the Black farmer and agriculture and that conversation around, you know, climate change and, and environmental justice, that that money will be, you know, given or shared a little bit lightly, um, a little bit more easier, I should say, this time around because it's an election year? Well, you know, I think that Biden did uh, a couple of things when he did the infrastructure uh, funding. A certain amount of that money, at least 40 percent of it, has been earmarked for environmental justice communities. And that includes agriculture. But it it includes, uh, you know, polluted areas such as Chester. What we have to be um, aware of is that now, since that money has been earmarked for environmental justice communities, you have the predators that are circling and now they want to link up it with EJ communities where you've never done anything for 25 years in our community. What makes you think that now I'm going to align myself with you so that you can get a grant, you get 80% of the money, we get 20% of the money. That's a negative. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'd rather have none before I let you, uh, uh, um, in other words, no, no, prostitute us. Mm-hmm. Once again, oh. and it, it is it is it's deep. I want to I want to I'm not going to say piggyback. I'm going to follow up with the elder mm-hmm. because you know I work in urban agriculture, and here's something that that throw you really for a loop. Ready? People from other states and other countries and other nationalities. And I'm speaking the way I'm speaking. You understand? People from other nationalities and other neighborhoods and other places come here for employment. And the people that live here are the last ones to know about it or to even be hired at all. Urban agriculture is very slanted, very slanted. And we're not involved in it. But, but not even trying to be funny, though, you know, um, Levi, it is a stigma that black people don't want to get dirty. Black people don't want to do those type of jobs any, any longer. You know, black people don't want to put their hands in the dirt. And I, Ms. Lee, I see you shaking your head, but I'm saying it is a stigma out there, you know, that it's they, miseducation. It's not. Listen, I work with the I, children in the neighborhood. They love it. And all of our people love absolutely. it. Here's absolutely. what's going on. They're mis. There's certain. And I know the elders, you can probably help me out with this. There's certain people who keep the, the, the psychology of growing food being connected to servitude going on in our children's heads and our mm-hmm. people's heads. Mm-hmm. So also, when we step out to take any vacant land out here in the neighborhoods, they react towards the native black and brown populations one way. And if they see European people of European descent there, just utilizing land and moving out on land, they don't bother them at all. We had to fight for North Park. Yeah, we had to fight for North Philly Peace Park. Heavy. You know, and we had people from all walks of life help us build it. But when it was time to sit down at that table, they gave us a lot of flat. And we even watched how they treated the, the local people, our people, with their own gardens, which was the most peaceful place and Blumberg uh, housing development uh, projects, that whole football field became the most peaceful space in that whole area. Well, you know, the statistics is if you take a, a, a lot mm-hmm. and you create a garden on it, the crime statistics in that area go down. Go down. That's, okay. a no, that's a that's a known fact, a, a statistical fact. Now, the part about us not 
uh, wanting to get our hands dirty or, or, or farming or gardening, we run a program called Sowing Seeds of Hope. We go to the pocket parks. We teach, we bring seeds, we bring dirt, we bring water. And the young kids, teenagers, older adults, uh, uh, the kids, they light up. We have a member who had a garden uh, close to where we were doing one of those events. So we carried them down to the, her garden and they were able to actually pull things off of the vine, tomatoes. They were actually able to dig up potatoes and carrots. One young man ate the carrot dirty. He said he was 16. He said he had never seen anything grown before. <laughs> you know, where when I was growing up, we didn't go hungry because everybody had a garden. But I do believe that COVID taught us something mm-hmm. about getting back to what we are from. That's having these little gardens in, in our yards and having the apple trees. When I was growing up, we had strawberries, grapes, apples, peach trees across the street, mulberry bushes. You didn't get hungry. You went out there and pulled a tomato down, put some salt on it, and ate it. <laughs> these... Uh, uh, but the youth today, we've lost that, you know, in our culture, mm-hmm. um, because you know, why you want to make bread? All you gotta do is buy a loaf. We've right. been we've been geared into that issue of being only consumers, right? Yeah, and the not convenience. producers. Literally, convenience. The convenience store yes. has become convenient. Yes, to us. yes. Mm-hmm. and it's, the food is bad. Okay. And it's, mm-hmm. it's killing us. However, I think that, you know, during COVID, when there was a lack of everything, it sparked something in our communities. You know, those green beans you after, you can grow those. Mm-hmm. Those tomatoes. So it's, it's something that we have to be retaught. I definitely think it's the education, and that's why I appreciate you both coming on this morning. Levi, I definitely want you to stay stay locked with us, both of you. We're about to go to a quick commercial break. Right after this quick commercial break, I got some more questions for you all to continue to educate our listening audience today. And don't forget, you too can be a part of the conversation. We want you to engage with us. 215-634-8065. Toll free, 1-866-361-0900. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Radio's up. And, appreciate. and we are back live. Yep, 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 yep <laughs> back live. As y'all can hear, we are enjoying our conversation with some passion behind it. Again, you're tuned into Miss Zuline Mayfield, who is coming out of Chester, Pennsylvania. And then we also have Levi Joyners, who is representing the Philadelphia Black Farmers Most Coalition. So I appreciate you both for joining on this conversation this morning. Thank you for rocking out with me. You know, when it comes down to eco, where we want to bring that greener, safer conversation to Philadelphia and beyond. And that's why, Ms. Julie, you're always welcome onto Eco Word. And I want to bring back the conversation because we were talking a little bit about how systematic racism played a huge part in environmental injustices that we face still to today, right? But the topic was about stolen land. And Ms. Julie, I want to bring you back in. You know, when you think about the systematic racism that played a hand in it, you know, how does it actually still affect Chester, Chester, Pennsylvania? And I'll give you a perfect example. I bought my house. Um, I bought my house. My house is directly across the street from the incinerator. When I brought that home, I was proud. I said, because, you know, when I, I said when I was in long term apartment, I said, when I leave this apartment, I want to walk into my house. Um, the house that I'm going to own. Mm-hmm. So I bought the house. I was on unemployment when I bought the house. Okay, this is how much faith I had. Mm-hmm. 
And I was holding the guy off, you know, when I got my unemployment checks, okay, here's another piece of the money. But eventually I, I bought it. Um, the incinerator comes online um, and it's horrible down there. When I bought that house in our neighborhood, four block square area, the home owner occupied rate was 81%. And so 81% of the people lived in that area, they were uh, occupiers of their homes, okay? They weren't, you know, uh, absent landlords. These people owned their homes. Eventually, over time, I moved on, still had my house. Now I'm trying to decide what I want to do with it. I tried to rent it. I didn't want to rent to anybody with a kid. Um, because I didn't want to put a child in that situation, you know, with the smells, the odors, and the pollutants. Um, tried to sell it, then tried to rent it again. I have not been in that house for, I haven't stepped foot in that house in over 15 years. Wow. It's still in my name. It's still accruing taxes. And it's a property I can do nothing with. Mm. And I'm the whole block. Wow. People walked away from their houses. You go around the corner, it's probably three houses I know where they walked away from their house. Eventually, one of them sold. Around the corner, three, four empty houses. And so no one's going to buy it because of the situation with the incinerator. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they do buy yeah, if, if you do buy it, you got to sell it for what it's not even worth. It, it's not out. worth any. It, 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 it. Okay, now with the new um, uh, liquefied natural gas plant that they're talking about bringing to Chester. Mm-hmm. Last year in October, we got, not October, August, we got the actual schematic plans for this today. They were talking about and still are talking about um, they have a zone um, that they need to clear. That's how they're talking in the terms. And then they're talking about taking uh, 108 homes, four churches, a daycare, the office of the local union hall to put this plant in our community that we don't want. Mm-hmm. So we're still having we still haven't figured out how they think they're going to take these people's homes, you know whether it's going to be in domain. Yeah, and that's the or, same thing that you know when it comes down to stolen land, the displacement part of it. People don't understand it because it's the same thing that's happening in Philadelphia with this conversation around putting the uh, 76er Stadium inside of us uh, Center City downtown. Cool. Believe I want you to jump in on the conversation. The question that I was asking is how systematic racism has played a, a huge part or had a big hand in displacement and stolen land. Well, we, we talk, I mean, man, that's very, Mill Creek is an example of it. Um, when you go into the history, now a lot, and this is, once again, knowledge of history will save your life. There is raging water moving at thousands of miles per, per hour under Mill Creek. And they're running through what was called a cisterns. Back in the 60s, the houses fell down around here. There was a whole block that in, that actually sunk into the ground because the water, the water that was under the houses, the streams, 
the creeks. That's why they call them creeks. It actually happened the, at the end of last year. I actually did yes. a report on it. It happened at the end of last year. Where yeah, the creeks like fill up. And, yep, the, the creeks fill up at certain points and it can knock out the foundation of whole amount of areas. Interesting enough, though, a lot of these places that are most dangerous or toxic, um, as as the elder was talking about earlier, over in, like over in Chester, they put people of color, black and brown in folks, in those lands. That's right. It's like there's a lot of trash dumps. Like in North Philly, they were starting to start trash dumps right next to people's, uh, next to the projects, right next to uh, residential areas. We'll put a whole entire recycling and trash dump in the area. And it wasn't until the people say, well, wow, why is all this trash piling up in the middle of Ridge Avenue? Like when I was younger, then they started, they, they moved it away. They, they they stopped making it a dump site. But at one time, it became a recycling and dump site in the middle of the hood. And, you know, Same they thing do- when you look up in, in South Philly, yep. the tire piles. They got 68 places up there with nothing but tires. <laughs> uh, it, it's like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But, and so if 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 we have L and I codes and we have health department codes and we have all of these things that work, we know they work because mm-hmm. you don't see this crap in Chestnut Hill. You mm-hmm. don't see it in Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. Why are those codes not activated when they're in black and brown and indigenous communities? Well, they'll, we, we, they see... The indigenous people, and I'm gonna use I'm gonna use better terms for us because we are original. The indigenous people are seen as, as as objects, as animals, and you can displace them wherever you want. And also, we're not we're not studying and practicing our environmental code as original people. We have to be involved with the, with the environment that we live in. So when you got the same person who's dumping on you. As the same people that are have been teaching you, you there's there's a little how can I put it? There's a glaze of ignorance over our minds. Um, well, you know, I, I I agree to that to a certain degree. Now, and I'm, I'm what not I can tell you, what I can tell you is that once you know, you know. Right. And yeah, when they yeah. say they say you know, knowledge is power. Knowledge is also a burden mm-hmm. when you have it because you can't scream it enough. Exactly. And and I understand it. I get it. I work with a lot of college students who come into my area to teach our community. Okay. Why are they available? Why do they have the knowledge? Because they've been receiving that knowledge since grade one. Our high school kids don't get anything to do with deal with the environment until they are in the ninth grade. Yep, in a STEM community. So, yes, it is upon us as a people to yeah. learn, you know, but, you know, sometimes ignorance really is blind. You remember that plant that granddaddy worked at? Mm-hmm. And all of us were getting cancer. Nobody realized he was working with chemicals or a smelter factory. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you both this last question before I let you go, because we're about to wrap up the show. Um, uh, I wanted to ask this question specifically because it was Black History Month. And I want to make sure that when we think about Black history, we don't negate our environment, right? We don't take away the environmental conversations that need to go with it, because there's so many people down to, you know, Carver making the peanut. You know, we don't really talk about that. We want to talk about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. And I'm not saying they're not a really big, you know, monumental uh, staple for us for Black history. But I think that 
when it comes down to like Levi always screams, you know, agriculture, our black farmers, we need to have this conversation. So how can we make sure that um, these people who have pushed forward the culture in so many different ways as far as black farmers and agriculture are not missing out of the black history conversation? And I think one thing that we need to do is we have to, you know, this is me personally. Black history is important, and, and, and but we don't have to go back 40, 50, 60 years for history. <laughs> Our history walks around us every single day. And we need to magnify those heroes and, and that walking Black history in our communities. Mm-hmm. Our kids need to see the greatness that they are. And it don't come from looking back 60 years ago because they cannot relate to that. Right. They have no knowledge of that. But that, you know, well, you know, uh, Miss Margaret, she had eight kids and she wound up going to college and she got her degree. That's black history. <laughs> that is, I That's agree. real history. OK, this, so, you know, I appreciate us learning about those people, you know, traditionally everything. Martin Luther King, Morris, but. It was so much more to our history than what they've been trying to spoon feed us. And every day we're learning it. Anything that we had to work with, we invented something to make our job better. Everything. The ironing board, the iron, the phone, the cell phone. The cotton gym. Come on now. Come (laughs) on now. They can't relegate us to those that limited amount of people. Mm -hmm. And that's that's I'm going to get off my soapbox with today. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm Levi, gonna, what would you jump in to say? I'm going to answer that. Um, number one, when it comes to African history, our history as a people, look at the things that make this society run and operate better. We are the perfectors of this place, and we Boom. come out of the darkest situations. You know, um, we're talking, we talking on a computer right now with electricity and lights. And all of this is the inventions of black men and black women. Come on and, now. And that was the night. And so we talk about 1924. We, now here we are at 2024. What is the issue now? We're back to another issue. And that's land and also feeding the people. Yeah. Food insecurity as well as oxygen and water. Breathing rights, that's water right. rights, and food rights are the three areas of importance of the day. Our job as environmentalists, because I am an environmentalist, is to make sure we find answers and to ensure the survival of the next generation. So the way we do that is we teach our children the reality of now to be problem solvers and look at some of the people, elders and young people who are problem solvers in front of you right now. You are, I won't even call you black history. I'm saying we are living history, you know, to put it to you that way. And um. You know, we're doing something very powerful. There's a disease in America and around the world. We mm. talked about colonization, and this is and it's called nature deficit disorder. Do you know what that is? Mm. Talk to them. Nature deficit disorder is a disorder that comes from children not interacting with everyday elements: earth, wind, water, fire, grass, being able to breathe and move outside. Most of us are are majority of the time, the children are spending it inside and in front of monitors, like right now, right? But our children and our families, we don't interact with the environment enough. So what happens is there's a certain level of alienation. And this is for black, white, brown, whoever. 
all across the board. And this is the era where we can take hold of the environment. Black people are environmental builders. That's what we do. So this is our time to really grab this by its grab it by the reins and, and let's move. You know, that's 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 it for this for this month. The the lesson should be grab your environment, learn all the things, unplug it, and make your kids go outside. That's right, <laughs> and go that. out there with them. Right. <laughs> We're gonna right. drop the mic like that, man. I appreciate you both, uh, Miss Lee. How can people find more information about your organization? They go. They can go to Chester. P A E J dot org. I Chester. P A E J dot org. We have a, a huge march coming up April twentieth. Uh, um, we march. Um, why do we march? Because it brings energy. That's what uh, it brings awareness. It lets people know that hey, we still alive, and this is still an issue. So we're inviting everybody to come to Chester on April the twentieth. But go to our website. You'll find more information. Bring your drums, bring your noisemakers. <laughs> we light the city up. All right. Hey, Leva, how can people find more information about your organization? Okay, you can reach us at blackfarmersoutreach at gmail.com. That's blackfarmersoutreach at gmail.com. I want to announce this. We're having an event. Uh, this is uh, the Black Farmers Co-op Educational Forum at William C. Longstreth School. Okay, that's going to be on February 24th, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., 5700 Willows Avenue, 19143, here in the city of Philadelphia. Thank so you, that's I how do. you can you can come on out, bring the children. It is all is free. You, you We always bring hydroponic equipment. We bring some type of uh, hand-on activities with, with, with the soils, the water, plants, everything. So come on out. No doubt, man. I appreciate you both for rocking out with me on this Friday morning. I all love when it comes down to eco word, man. You both are welcome back on the platform at any given time. Um, I hope you both have a great weekend. Thank all you. Right. Thank you. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 